Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Carolina has a two-on-one. Ajo spurs it and then follows it up with a great chance. Great A save on Ajo and then a follow-up even better one on Ethan Bear. Merslikin's best, no doubt about it. Nearly a 200-foot goal for Carolina below the goal to line, tie the game. to Trocek. Trocek tries to go backhand, forehand, backhand, and Merslikin stands tall. Kane's game is coming right there. A perfect dump in. Andrei Svechikov uses his size and strength to set up Trocek from behind the net. Merslikin's again standing tall for the Angelo gets it to Jarvis behind the net. To Ajo! Oh, what a chance for Jarvis as Merslikins moves from right to left and gets a piece with the glove. Oh, heck of a Jordan save Stahl there. to Trocek for a chance. Oh, Trocek tries to go backhand for it and another beautiful low save from Elvis Merslikins. What a shorthanded goal that would have been. You see the fans come right in. They, nice they sense that. These good fans in Raleigh. Oh, yeah. Turnover. Jenner. Goes it. One timer. Holy shnikes. Patrick Lyonnais. Absolute box office. The bomb makes it 3 nothing. And Doriati Cody and, and talk to them and just get a little insight on what made them so great because Patrick Lyonnais, having seen him up close several times, he has all the tools. In front, Chinnikov score! Yegor Chinnikov, second tuck of the night, and suddenly it's 4 nothing Columbus. As he relieves Freddie Anderson with his team down 4 nothing. Rod Brindamore looking for a spark in these final 14-33. Breakaway now. Columbus looking to make it 5 nothing, And they do. The final buzzer sounds. Elvis Merslikens with the shutout. And the Columbus Blue Jackets, who will be back here for the final game of this season series, February 25th, come out of here with a 6 nothing win. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold. Presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. That was a dud. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't been too many of these for the Hurricanes in the Rod Brindamore era. Uh, but this was one that goes into the circular file. Uh, the one where uh, water goes clockwise and then disappears and takes whatever was there with the water out. I think it's clockwise. I have to go uh, have to go look. Uh, anyway, six nothing blue jackets and uh, no bueno. Uh, we're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Uh, there's no place like it. So uh, go check out Sammy Hanna and his crew. See what they can do for you. Help make your house beautiful on the outside and energy efficient on the inside. Uh, again, uh, online for free no obligation estimate at aluminumcompany.com. Shouts to Elvis Merzlikens. He was excellent for the Blue Jackets. Carolina helped him out a bunch, uh, but he certainly made a 
handful of exceptional saves, back to back, Aho and Ethan Bear. Uh, that could have been a difference. Uh, it was already one nothing Columbus at the time. Uh, but I think at that point, if Carolina had gotten one to go, I think we might have been looking at a different story. Uh, what we saw was, I think, personally, uh, one team, I'm not going to say Columbus was working harder for their chances, but uh, I think they did more, obviously. And to, forget, forget about scoring goals. Um, they They did more to get better chances than Carolina did. And all you really need to look at for that is where did the shot attempts come from? And through the first two periods, almost everything Columbus was getting was below the, the face-off circles. And almost everything Carolina was getting was outside the face-off circles. It isn't to say that they weren't at times below the dots, because at times they were. As you heard in the open, Sebastian Ajo and Ethan Bear both had shots uh, from well inside the uh, the faceoff dots. Merzlikens made the one save on Ajo uh, with the with like the left pad out uh, wide, uh, and then the rebound. Ethan Bear just couldn't put it past him. Great save with I think with the glove. So at times Merzlikens had to be great, but at other times he didn't, and at other times Carolina made it easy for him by just taking shots from well out with not a lot of traffic in front. Uh, so these are the types of things that, uh, yeah, we can look at shot totals and shot attempts and scoring chances. Uh, and I think uh, I think the stats, certainly from the third period, are misleading because by the time Carolina started really to apply any pressure, uh, this game was over as Columbus scored three goals in a minute seven early in the third period. Uh, and that made it 5 nothing. The fourth goal, after it was 4 nothing, Freddie Anderson comes out. Jack LaFontaine comes in. What a, uh, what, a, what a week it's been for this dude. Played in a college hockey game on Saturday. Got signed on Sunday. Does, uh, does like a Zoom media call Monday. Shows up to practice. Uh, you know, flies to Raleigh. Shows up to practice yesterday. Gets uh, put on the taxi squad, then activated. Alex Lyon sent back to Chicago. And then has to relieve Freddie Anderson in the third period. So, uh, and I know the ESPN crew, Bouchergras, Kevin Weeks, they were talking about uh, giving uh, uh, Jack LaFontaine a start against Vancouver on Saturday. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm saying it shouldn't happen. Unless, unless Freddie's got to play, just has to play. It just Freddie needs to get into a rhythm. Remember when Freddie played all the time? Freddie's got to play. And uh, no offense to Jack Lafontaine, Jack Lafontaine doesn't have to play. Jack Lafontaine just has to be there in case. And hopefully, uh, Auntie Ranta will be back soon. And LaFontaine can either stay on the taxi squad or uh, go back to go to Chicago and uh, and get some games in and play there. Uh, but I just don't see how you can start a guy who was just playing in college hockey, even if he was a great college hockey goalie. And I'm not saying he wasn't. He was the Mike Richter award winner a year ago. But nah, he doesn't have to play. <laughs> uh, he simply has to be there just in case. Um, because the Hurricanes got to win hockey games. 
And I mean, they play again on was it? Uh, is it Saturday at home? Saturday afternoon, right? At home against uh, Vancouver. But holy cow, uh, this was uh, this was just not a uh, not a good performance by the Hurricanes. I thought they I thought they were the second best team in the first period. Uh, wasn't surprised by it. Again, uh, you know, even though it wasn't a long layoff, it was still a layoff. Four days without playing. And the Hurricanes have yet to really establish any rhythm. Let's go all the way back, December 18th. Carolina hadn't uh, played December 18th against the Los Angeles Kings. That was a skeleton crew, remember? They had uh, you know Jack Drury, uh, Stefan Nason, uh, Josh Leva. They, all these guys were up. They were playing. So the Hurricanes had, um, you know, a, a third of their forward group was uh, from the American Hockey League. And um, uh, they win that game. And they have three more games before the uh, the holiday break. Trying to remember who they were against. The last one was against Ottawa. They had a game against uh, Nashville was a Sunday. Boston was a Tuesday. Ottawa was a Thursday. Then it was supposed to be Christmas. Nashville had COVID, couldn't come. Uh, Boston had COVID. Carolina couldn't go there. Uh, then uh, there was no cross-border travel allowed by the NHL. Couldn't go to Ottawa. Holiday break. NHL said, yeah, we might want to play Monday after Christmas, Saturday. So, uh, game against Florida at PNC Arena canceled. So, four straight games from the 18th. Carolina didn't play again until the 30th, 12-day break. Uh, they were a little sloppy in that game, but ultimately, Montreal had no lineup, no NHL players, basically. Carolina wins it. A couple of days later, you're in Columbus on New Year's Day. Uh, Carolina's a mess with the puck, creates a bunch of scoring chances, didn't get anything to go, uh, but was a mess with the puck. Columbus leads 4 nothing, and then all of a sudden, Carolina stopped turning it over, and they couldn't stop scoring, and they win 7-4. So their just absolute ability took over New Year's Day in a wacky game, and they win it. And then, because uh, the game in Toronto, Carolina's not allowed to go to Toronto, uh, because the Maple Leafs weren't playing without fans in the stands, even though they started playing without fans in the stands. There was really no reason they couldn't play that game. It's, I don't even understand anymore. It might have been the cross-border travel. I don't know. It was crazy. Uh, so that game doesn't get played. So the Carolina Hurricanes don't play again until Friday. So they play Saturday, then they don't play till the following Friday. Five-day break. Uh, Carolina doesn't play all that well, but they beat Calgary. And then the next night, uh, they continue to not really play all that well. Uh, they managed to cr- scratch and claw and get a point out of the game against Florida, but they were a turnover machine, including in the game-winning goal in overtime when Brady Shea gave the puck away. And then, because, for whatever reason, the Philadelphia Flyers don't play. They have almost no COVID problem, but that game's postponed. And, of course, on game day, Philadelphia is practicing at their off-ice arena at their off-ice facility. Carolina was supposed to use the game arena for a practice that they were scheduled for, you know, a morning skate anyway. And uh, before they left the hotel to go to the arena, they were told, wait, there's a basketball court down. Rod Bernard Moore's like, what? They couldn't move the flight up, so they ultimately, uh, I don't know, they do it like a Jack LaLanne calisthenics workout in the hotel. And then they fly back to Raleigh. They practice here. Practice here on Wednesday, pregame skate, morning skate today, and then they come out here and uh, they were third best 
They were certainly not second best, third best against uh, the Blue Jackets, and they lose 6 nothing. It's the way it was. It's the way the whole thing was. That's that, that has been the Hurricanes. Now, if you want to blame tonight on the, uh, the busted-up schedule, okay, whatever. But they were worse tonight than they were against Florida, than they were against Calgary, than they were against Columbus the first time, than they were against Montreal. So I'm not sure why we would blame it on that now when, I mean, it's it was bad. Now, it got worse late, and it was the first time in a long time uh, that I had seen a team that almost looked like it had given up in the third period. I mean, I, you, hate to, you hate to use those terms, but, um, and I'm not saying they did. I'm just saying it's, it's easy to say it looked like it because there was just no focus at all. Tony D'Angelo, who got tossed uh, for arguing a call, like, I mean, he was probably tripped, but at this point, you just you skate off the ice and get out of here. And I'm not even blaming Tony. Tony didn't play well tonight, but, I mean, he wasn't alone. Shane Willis is going to join us in uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, but let's spend uh, just a couple of minutes uh, talking about what we saw. Um, Carolina and Columbus kind of going back and forth. Uh, first part of the game, first five, six minutes. I thought Columbus was getting the better of the chances than Carolina. Uh, and then eventually, now Carolina had some chances. Uh, then eventually, Emil Benstrom uh, takes advantage. Uh, puck goes, puck is thrown into the Carolina zone. Nino Niederreiter and Brett Pesci were going after it with uh, Alexander Texier. And it looked to me like maybe Nino thought Pesci was going to get it, and but Nino was ahead of the play, and Nino should have gotten to the puck first. Uh, but he sort of allowed Pesci to get it, and Pesci, I guess, assumed that Nino was going to get it. Um, and this was the first bit of miscommunication. So Nino doesn't go after the puck. He just kind of uh, drifts off to the right. Uh, so now uh, Pesci doesn't win the battle for the puck. That shouldn't have been his to win. It should have been Nino's. And uh, the puck comes out to Jake Bean, takes a soft shot from the point, only meant to put it on net because there was uh, there were bodies out there. Uh, Jack Roslovic first. Emil Benstrom second. They're both two-on-one below the face-off circle, uh, alone against Ian Cole, because Pesci had uh, come out to try to uh, win the puck. one nothing. Benstrom, uh, Benstrom scores past Anderson. It's one nothing. That's how the period ended. I honestly thought Carolina was lucky to only be down one nothing. Uh, were there chances? Yeah. I think you heard the Ajo chance. Uh, right after was the Aho and um, and Ethan Bear back to back, and uh, Merz Leakins. To me, those are the two best saves he made all night. And there, to me, there's not even a second best. Those that sequence was the best that we've seen from Elvis that we saw from Elvis Merz Leakins all night. Uh, Carolina could have tied it at one, and I think it's probably a different game after that. But it went to the locker room, uh, tied at one. I believe we started the third second period. Four on four. This was uh, uh, Svechnikov and I think Robinson. Uh, it was an Eric Robinson. Uh, were given matching minors for, you know, post whistle, post horn, really, because the period was over. Uh, square dancing and uh, some face washing. Uh, Andre for a cross check. I think it was uh, Robinson for roughing. 
Uh, so we start four on four, and Carolina was pretty good in this four on four sequence, uh, but just couldn't get anything to go, uh, which was similar to uh, the problem they had all night long. Um, and then at eleven fifty six, Yegor, what is it, uh, Shirikov, Shinikov, Shinikov? That's who it is. Uh, takes advantage of all five Carolina players on the ice in the offensive zone below the faceoff circle. All five. So zero balance. Nobody rotates back. Everybody's down low. It comes up on a breakaway, and uh, uh, Shinnikov, uh beats Anderson uh, blocker side low to make it 2 nothing. Again, Carolina was... They had chances in the second period, but the problem with Carolina's best chances and the best chances were early was that they kept missing the net. Ajo had a chance in tight, missed the net. Kokaniemi uh, had a chance in tight, missed the net. Pesci had a chance in the high slot, missed the net. They kept missing the net. And you know what you can't get when you miss the net? You can't get rebounds. And through two periods... To me, the stat of the night through two periods, and it was 2-0 Columbus through two, Carolina's still in the game. The stat of the night was that through two periods, Columbus had 13 shot attempts off rebounds, and Carolina had two. Two. I mean, you got to do better than that. Uh, and the, the, the heat map, the shot map, all situations... If uh, I tweeted it out, if you want to, if you follow me on Twitter at a gold fan, I tweeted it out. the 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 heat map through two periods, Carolina's the majority of their shots came from outside the faceoff circles. Were there some inside? Of course, it wasn't you know white. It was like yellow and pale green, um, but the dark green for Carolina, and that's where that their color, I believe, were like green and yellow. The dark green for Carolina was above the face-off circles. Look at Columbus's heat map. Again, this is through two periods. Everything was around the net. Giant deep indigo <laughs> right around the net because that's where they were. So through two periods, it's 2 nothing. You think, all right, look, if you can get a goal quickly, you, you certainly had the memory of However many days ago it was now, 12 days ago, New Year's Day, Columbus, you're down 4-2 entering the third, and it was an onslaught. If you just play solid, smart, mistake-free hockey, right in this, get one, all of a sudden you got the momentum and you can come back on Columbus because you've done it before. Heck, they did it to Washington, they did it to Florida. Two goal deficits for this team, nothing. And they had some good chances, I thought, early on. I thought they had good chances in the uh, in the first two minutes of the third period. In fact, their first two, or not their first two, uh, but two rebound tries right away in the first per- in the first two minutes of the third period. And I thought, all right, that was good. That was as good a scoring opportunity as Carolina's had since Ajo and Bear back to back. And then it all deteriorated in a minute seven. You see the fans come right in. They, nice they play. sense that. These good fans in Raleigh. Oh, yeah. Turnover. Jenner. Goes it for one-timer. Oh, Score! Play. 
Holy shnikes. Patrick Lyonnais. Absolute box office. And Doriati Cody and, and talk to them and just get a little insight on what made them so great because Patrick Lyonnais, having seen him up close several times, he has all the tools. In front, Chinnikov score! Yegor Chinnikov. As he relieves Freddie Anderson with his team down 4 nothing. Rod Brindamore looking for a spark in these final 14-33. Breakaway now. Columbus looking to make it 5 nothing, And they do. Yep. That happened in a minute 7. First goal, Patrick Lyonnais, his fifth of the year, 426. Lazy behind the back pass by Tony D'Angelo to Nino Niederreiter. Uh, and uh, he was casual with it. It's as almost as though the Hurricanes were playing a game with this playing in the background. Hey, man, who's that cat coming down the street? I don't know, but it sounds to me like that whistling man with the bone. Still having himself a ball. Yeah, you know, you know whose music that is, right? You know, you know whose music that is. Yeah, that's uh, that's the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, that's what the Hurricanes apparently uh, thought they were doing in the third period at this point. They were just a lazy pass by D'Angelo. That leads to Nino Niederreiter being too casual with the puck. Uh, And it's quick turnover. Boone Jenner gets it across uh, to Lion A for the bomb. Uh, And now it's 3-0. I'm trying to do the math here. 34, 37 seconds later, Brett Pesci. Gets a puck in the defensive zone, uh, wheels and tries to bank it off the wall down the ice. Uh, not uh, not done well. Uh, easily easy turnover in the neutral zone. Uh, Robinson, Corrali, Chinnikov again, all alone. And Pesci and Shea could not recover. Uh, they were split in the middle of the ice, could not recover. And Chinnikov is there for four nothing. After that goal. Anderson's pulled. Jack LaFontaine, we talked about how crazy it was, what a week he's had. He gets a chance to make his NHL debut in relief for Freddie Anderson because the Hurricanes have given their goaltender no chance. Uh, And just so, I guess, LaFontaine didn't feel out of place, the Hurricanes gave him no chance. Jordan Stahl brings the puck in, uh, into the offensive zone on the left side. Uh, He loses the puck uh, just above the faceoff circle. Brendan Smith and Ethan Bear, not fast enough to recover. Smith, I think, made a move to try to keep the puck in the zone rather than retreat. Uh, They lose the foot race because Bear and Smith are going to lose that foot race to Cole Sillinger, and Sillinger easily beats LaFontaine uh, just inside the far, uh, near post, just inside the right post. Uh, So that took a minute seven. Uh, The Hurricanes went from looking like they were off to a pretty good start in the period in terms of the style of play, to being out of the game at 5.33 of the third. It was 5 nothing. Jack Roslovic scored to make it uh, 6 nothing. Uh, I don't know, six minutes later, seven minutes, whatever it was. Um, and uh, the Hurricanes had some chances, but, I mean, at that point, uh, everybody was just trying not to get hurt. Tony D'Angelo did uh, ar- argue with the referee uh, based on a non-call uh, which maybe he should have gotten. I don't know. Uh, and uh, that's it. He got he got a 10-minute misconduct. He didn't have to play the last, what, six minutes, and the Hurricanes end up uh, losing 6 nothing. Uh, there were some uh, questionable officiating calls. Uh, 
Uh, but they had nothing to do with the outcome of this game. Shane Willis, first, let me compliment you and Trip Tracy, who I will speak with on the radio. Uh, let me compliment you guys on, forget about the, the score of the game. I thought you guys were legitimately good doing your thing tonight. So, uh, d- difficult situation, but thank you very much for, for being good at it. Well, I, I appreciate that. I hope all our fans enjoyed it. I thought Tripp did an amazing job doing his first time calling the game. And again, everything you learn, I mean, being a player, I never thought I'd be doing television, let alone radio, but then just thinking to yourself of like how much more you want to try and explain it because this fan can't see what you're right. seeing. It makes it even, you know, kind of that much more difficult, but I appreciate that, Adam. We had fun with it. Um, and we hope to bring a great show on Saturday yeah. on Valley Sports. Absolutely. Here's the thing, uh, Trip, uh, and I know he said this, uh, I heard part of the uh, interview, I guess, with Dennis in the pregame. Uh, Tripp said he'd never been nervous before a broadcast before, but he was nervous before this one, understandably so. Uh, and I was texting back and forth with Tripp on Wednesday night, and he's like, what do I do? I had My advice to him, because I had no idea, my advice to him was don't even try to do play-by-play. I said, don't even try. Just let us know where the puck is. And I said, you and Shane, just talk hockey. Just talk hockey for three periods. Don't even try. But the truth is, is that I was blown away. I mean, he was legitimately good for for never uh, having done it before. You know, as our timing got better, working together, and we realized, we're like, hey, when the puck was in neutral zone, that's when we'll really just chat it up. And then when they get around the net, we can talk and, you know, you know. I can't tape radio, but I'm glad you, you're sharing that. And I, again, I'm glad it worked out well. And it's something as we, as we hear from the team, it's next man up. And we were able to still bring uh, the telecast to our great fans who are out there. Can't watch the game as it was brought to you on ESPN plus tonight, but uh, back on Bally Saturday at uh, 1230. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, I think I, I caught a little bit of uh Bouchergras and uh, uh, Kevin weeks in the, uh, in the booth. Bucigras yes. with the, I mean, strong maroon plush velvet jacket tonight. Yeah, he uh, he was right beside us, and that was the first thing I said. Wow, I said <laughs> when your jacket is that strong, you don't even need a tie. And uh, Weeksy always brings it. Weeksy's always done yeah. up, and uh, you know they've done a great job. You know, everyone always asks. You know, John Bucigras has been one of the biggest advocates. Uh, for not only National Hockey League, but yeah. college hockey for so long. And he's so great for the game. And, and Ryan Callahan, getting into that world, continues to do a great job for ESPN. And, you know, I think they've done a great job for the league so far this year. Yeah, the, the, there's there's no question. And Bouchergras, he had like the best of both worlds because we had Jack LaFontaine last year's uh, Mike Richter award winner as the best goalie in college hockey. He was a Hobie Baker finalist and all that. Uh, and then, man, I felt bad for him because... Uh, the team didn't exactly rally in front of him uh, after tough, Anderson tough was pulled. When, yeah, <laughs> yeah, tough spot when your first shot on goal is a breakaway. <laughs> that is uh, yeah, welcome. Yeah. I, I, I laugh because in my head I'm thinking about Kevin Weeks how he calls out for anyone who scores their first goal. I'm thinking this kid's in there. Welcome to the national. You just got your first shot was a breakaway of a guy coming at you 100 miles an hour. Uh, all right, let's let's talk a little bit about this. I mean. I, let, let me just, your, your take, let, let's just deal with the first two periods before what happened in the third. Uh, what did you think of Carolina's game 
through two? Well, I'll I'll go even further back. So through one, I thought they were they were flat. I thought uh, Columbus was quicker, and something I said on the radio was that Columbus was anticipating what was going to happen next much better than what the Hurricanes were. Um, the Hurricanes were reacting to what was happening, right. and Columbus was anticipating, thus making them quicker to get the puck um, and make plays in the first period. Now. Coming out of the first period is one nothing. You know, Rod was worried about the first period coming in, and you go to the second. And I thought starting four on four kind of helped the Canes get their game going. And they were getting chances. And I, I said on the radio, I was like, "We got to hit the net." Yep. Uh, yep. A lot of shots missed the net tonight. And then it wasn't a horrible play. There was a transition up the boards, and then Tony D'Angelo jumped down and had a great shot. But now it was everything was in, and then the transition game came back and. To me, I felt when Columbus did go up 2 nothing, and the way Merzlikens was playing is when I was like, oh, because that's where the Canes almost got into. Now you're making aggressive reads to try and really get back to this game, and it just kept turning the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, missing the net was, uh, was a problem. Um, uh, according to Natural Stat Trick, and this was to me eye-opening, uh, through two periods, Columbus had 13 shot attempts off rebounds, and the Hurricanes had two. And mm-hmm. part, of, part of that is because they kept missing the net. Uh, and yep. one of the rebound tries was the Ethan Bear, which I thought Merzlikin's best saves happened on that sequence. Ajo and Bear back-to-back in the first period, right after the first goal. Um, and those when, when those didn't go, uh, I mean, I thought Carolina still had some good opportunities, but... Aho, Kotkaniemi, Pesci, early in, th- in the second period, missed the net. And then when, uh, De- I didn't know if D'Angelo's shot got uh, deflected or if he never got it off, but it went the other way and all five guys were below the, uh, below the faceoff dots and it was just going to be tough. The- Carolina's given up a ton of transition opportunities in the five games since Christmas, haven't they? Yep, and, and we were talking about that on the radio and I said, you know, you're still playing your aggressive style and it goes back to making those reads from a defenseman. Is my partner in a supportive position and is that forward over the top, as we always hear Rod talking about, in a defensive position to back me up when I go here? Because their game is aggressive. But I also look at something Florida did and then even tonight, it was almost like their scouting report was like, let's just send a guy. Yeah. You know, even if we get it turned over, we'll have time to turn around. There was always a guy almost a step ahead, like they were going early. Now, was that them cheating a little bit offensively and it worked out, or was it them anticipating and making a better read than the Hurricanes? Well, you have to go back and watch all the replays, but that's what I almost think, too. They know Carolina plays an aggressive game, and ultimately, I think they fought fire with fire. They played a very similar game to what Carolina does. The way they were pinching, the, how aggressive they were, uh, I thought Columbus, I mean, you have to tip your cap to them. The way Elvis played and then the way they played structurally with their quickness uh, was impressive tonight. Yeah, Shane Willis is here on the Canes Corner Podcast. Morning after edition 6 nothing, Columbus win. Uh, I mean, you never like to say they uh, they gave up. I like to use the term they were discouraged, but 
Uh, the Lion A goal that made it 3 nothing. it was a lazy pass from D'Angelo and a lazy gather of the pass by Nino. I, like, I, I used the joke, and I actually even played a little bit of it. I, I played when the when the Globetrotters are on the court and they have Sweet Georgia Brown playing. Like I thought, yeah, they're whipping it around. Right, and I thought maybe that's what Carolina thought, like there was Sweet Georgia Brown uh, being played in the arena. That was... To me, that goal, Carolina deserved to have scored on them because they were just too casual to me in their own end. And you know, Nino sort of had the puck out into the neutral zone, but it ju- just barely. It was just across the blue line. Uh, and that's, not and a, that's kind of where... A, yeah, it's been indicative, I think, of their play. That's where it's been a couple of those plays, and I talked you know, earlier about it in those gray areas, right? You and I, in watching the game, know how important puck possession at your own blue line is. And when you're throwing not those 100% sharp passes to somebody who's streaking, you're just kind of throwing almost like a hope play, it always turns out badly. Yeah. And we talk about transition all the time. And a team that was had it going from step one, I mean, if you're playing a team who's struggling, that's one thing to be trying some things. But at that point of the game, it's still only 2 nothing, And that's kind of the kind of the thing that broke the back was that that turnover right there in a tough position. These guys know that. Yep. I mean, there isn't a guy in that room that, as Rod said, he goes, well, oh, their attention tomorrow. These guys know that's about our culture. Each one of them individually is, is analyzing that. No, they need to be better, stronger mm-hmm. on pucks in those key areas. It's one thing to be down below the goal line and throwing one and it doesn't happen. But at your blue line, at the offensive zone blue line, those little plays, they've cost the Canes lately in a couple of situations. And I think that's going to be, a real focus tomorrow at practice and how they prepare for Saturday. They, they, they were talking on the, on the TV broadcast late in the third period uh, that, you know, they were questioning whether or not you would give Jack LaFontaine a start. Um, I don't know why that bothered me uh, because I think the answer should be, no, you don't, you don't give Jack LaFontaine. You have to win a hockey game. You have to beat the Vancouver. I mean, <laughs> and it's no, it's no offense to Jack LaFontaine, no. <laughs> but you need, Every two points is crucial, and I think that is a big reason why Rod took Freddie out. One, he feels the game so well, and he could feel his team not getting the pushback he needed, and it was going to potentially get worse. Yeah, And also, to give him that extra rest, not to face any more shots, and so Freddie is mentally and physically ready to go Saturday. Yeah, I just... It's not a... It's not, this, this wasn't a game where you're going to say, that was Freddie's fault. You should put Jack in. No. <laughs> That's not going to happen. No, it just it to to me it seemed it seemed kind of silly, uh, and I I don't know I was I was borderline offended by the idea that like Carolina like I realized that Jack Lafontaine was a wonderful college goaltender, but I don't well, think key, he, he, key word there key word there college. If this guy would have been a call up <laughs> from Chicago, right? <laughs> then then it's then you could throw the legitimate question up. This guy just walked out of Minnesota. You're not putting him in a game against the Canucks on Saturday. Right, and he's not Spencer Knight. Like, Knight didn't Knight no. came out of Boston College, right, and all of a sudden he was playing games and he was really good. I don't think Jack yeah. LaFontaine is quite uh, quite the same yeah. uh, the same status. Yeah, I mean, in my in my mind right now, all I see is wedding crashers where he's chirping his buddy. Come on, Count Chocula. This is a big <laughs> game. You don't throw a Hail Mary. <laughs> all right, final thing, um, because a lot of people on Twitter were talking to me about this being, well, this is what you get when you've only played, and now, the, and I, I pointed this out a hundred times, fifth game in 26 days. Um, to an extent, I think it is a, the way they have played is a byproduct of 
stops and starts and stops and stops and stops and starts and all of that. But it's only been four days since their last game. It hasn't been four weeks. It hasn't been 12 days. Um, I think that this is the way they have played since the 18th of December, which is the, the last game before the holiday break. They've just been kind of, they've had puck management issues. Uh, sometimes it's bad luck, like the Jordan Stahl giveaway inside the blue line for the fourth goal. Uh, actually, no, that was the Sillinger goal, the, uh, where he lost the puck inside yeah. the blue line, just kind of got knocked away, and uh, Smith tried to keep it in the zone, lost that, and then he and Bear were done. Um, so sometimes it's been bad luck, but they, they also have not been secure with the puck. This is sort of the way they've played since then. Yeah, and I think that's one of the, you know, minor concerns as a coach when you look at it is, you know, there are those breaks and Tripp and I talked about too. He's like, everyone always worries about the schedule, the trip they did out to California and then the trip to Canada. Players like that. Yeah. And especially when you're winning every other day is better. Get me back on the ice as many times as possible because we are hot. Um, and these breaks, it's just tough because there's no way to simulate a game and there's no way to get that speed in practice every single day. And Columbus playing two days ago in a tough loss, they were coming in hungry and yeah. very fired up. So you knew the first was going to be tough. But I thought the Canes came on the second, and that second goal was really, as I said, the backbreaker. But they have time now. You know, they have tomorrow to get fired up, and it will be a energized practice. I can say the least of that when you when you look at Rod's press conference from post game. It will be energized. It will be fast. And this culture and character in this room will show through Saturday um, against Vancouver. Yeah, and they're getting into, like, they, they need to be playing a bunch of games. Like uh, yep. th- That's the way the players want it. That's the way the head coach wants it, sitting around uh, and not getting into a rhythm is bad for everybody. It's why That's another reason why Freddie's got to play. Freddie needs to start playing a bunch of games. Uh, he played the, yep. the first, what, six games in a row of the regular season, I mean, they, they have to get him back to playing. Hopefully, Auntie Ranta won't be out uh, too long. But uh, Vancouver on Saturday, then man, suddenly the Boston Bruins are on fire. The Rangers are, we all know how good the Rangers are. Uh, but you're, so they're going to be playing, you know, three and four times a week now, barring uh, another COVID shutdown. Uh, be, before I do say goodbye, did we ever get any sort of an explanation as to why the Flyers could not play but could practice and play tonight? Uh, no. <laughs> I chalked that one up to the um, everything where the rules, nothing joins together. Right. <laughs> I don't understand. Um, and I think that's a frustrating part for players, organizations, and even fans. Like, what caused that? But they could play tonight. Did they not have enough players? I mean, their farm teams in Lehigh, it's not like they couldn't get a couple guys in if they were that short. They had twenty one you know, twenty one skaters. Made? They had twenty one skaters at their practice on Tuesday. Yeah. And how many did the Canes have when we played for right. four games straight? Six, Sixteen. <laughs> I think I think that's the frustrating part for everybody is yeah. that the alignment of how these decisions are made. No one really knows. I mean and there could be a good reason behind it. But it, it is frustrating and these games will be made up. I, I know they will, but that game could have been key the Hurricanes playing well tonight. Yeah, no question about it. So, they got they got to stick seven games back in the schedule. That ain't going to yeah. be easy. It's, it's not going to be easy. I mean, the good thing is for every Hurricanes fan out there is this team thrives in adversity. Yep, I still true. I still believe it. It's not a 
situation, as you said, there's been some little bumps in the road and things we've seen, but uh, my belief hasn't left this, this locker room and what this coaching staff will do tomorrow um, to see. I'd be, I would be, Kane's fans will be dialed in Saturday because I think it's going to be one of their best of the year. I, I agree. I, they will be ready. Shane Willis will be listening for you and Trip Tracy, the play-by-play voice, uh, until Mike Maniscalco is back. We wish Mike uh, a speedy recovery from uh, from get out of protocol fast. I know Shane, you want to go back down in the uh, in the in the lobby, I guess, with uh, with Abby Labar, and uh, and Trip doesn't want to talk so much. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. (laughs) Shane, thank you very much. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Adam. Peace. Quick look at some of the numbers from tonight. Uh, Again, according to Natural Stat Trick in all situations, dead even in terms of shot attempts, 58 apiece. Uh, Shots on goal. Carolina gets outshot by Columbus 35-31. Scoring chances, dead even, 33-33. High danger or grade A chances, Columbus with a 16-13 edge. You would think that game was even, right? So misleading. I think so much of Carolina's uh, work in the third period came after the fact, after the game was already decided. Uh, But again, uh, Columbus's shots and their goals came from very much in close. The only goal that came from above the ring Patrick Lyonnais' goal, the one-timer that made it 3 nothing. Everything else was right in front, below the hash marks, below the face-off dots, right out in front of the net. Uh, Carolina's best work was done outside the rings, and if nothing, if, if nothing else, that tells you uh, how this game was played. Carolina not ready. Well, that's not saying not ready, just not very good, very uh, not sharp. As Rod Brindamore likes to say, he called it sluggish on the radio. Uh, we'll just uh, we'll just go with that. I think Carolina will play a much better game on Saturday against the Colum- the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Out of these five games, Carolina probably played only one game, two games maybe that they were good. I didn't think they were all that good against Calgary. They won the game, uh, but they uh, they win the game at Columbus on New Year's Day. They got seven points out of five games in which they didn't play well. I think you take that and run. Now it's up to uh, up to the guys to uh, get back on it and get back to their game. All right, thanks to Shane Willis. Thanks to you. We, the Aluminum Company of North Carolina brings us the morning after podcast after every Hurricanes game. Uh, if you have any home improvement needs for the exterior of your home, from roofing to siding to windows to storm doors to gutter helmets, You can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Free no obligation estimate online, aluminumcompany.com. Follow the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast and uh, let us know what you think. We're here after every Hurricanes game. If you download it, if you follow it, it shows up automatically. So as soon as I post it, you get it. How good is that? I'm Adam Gold. We'll talk to you after the Canes and the Canucks on Saturday. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsband.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you unhappy with your CPAP provider? Did you know you can easily switch providers right now? 
I'm Megan Giggling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. We are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Contact us today. We ship anywhere in North Carolina. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health. 